The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Hey, this is Josh Woods. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. This is the T-smashing, jaw-cracking kid from the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, Shane Taylor. This is the voice of Ring of Honor, Bobby Cruz, and you are listening to The Locker Room. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. RussoBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. The Voices of Misery podcast. Support independent media and subscribe at VoicesOfMisery.Podbean.com and follow them on Twitter at Voices of Misery. This is your United States of America. Monday, August 19th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented and simulcast is your Monday locker room on Hami Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking NXT to USA, AEW selling out, King of the Ring, and a whole lot more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online by searching Hitting the Marks or visit hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back inside the locker room. It's me, it's me, it's that honor, the beat of the V. Rick Vickery, back again inside. You know, I, I, this is the locker room. I think this is what Strangler Steve does. It's the locker room that happens to air on a Monday. Yeah, I, I believe that's the case, yes. Because, you know, really, we should be defined as the global locker room because we're the only ones that bring you the news from every corner, from every area of the world of professional wrestling and that holds very true today with uh, with an incredible run you put together Jarka. and I, I also have this new thing where i'm trying to incorporate at least a little bit of something from some independent promotion that maybe you haven't heard of so we've got that coming up on the show today as well uh rick of course we have been incredibly busy this week you had a show on saturday night i was in a wedding on saturday morning slash afternoon and the picture session that never seemed like it would end congratulations to luke and heather i hope that you're enjoying the bahamas and i hate you because the weather in iowa absolutely sucks right now but it looks like things are beautiful out there in ya and uh right now the sun is shining it's a beautiful monday morning last night not the case and i think we're expecting to get a little bit of what you're uh what you're up to right now so storms are heading yeah we've got more coming in on tuesday weather is absolutely crazy uh rick speaking of absolutely crazy there is a series of people that i I wanted to talk about as our, our lead topic here today 
And the, the topic is wrestling with wrestling again. And, and these are people that have retired from professional wrestling and they have retired from professional wrestling for a reason. And, and lately we have seen this huge influx of people coming out of retirement and it's really starting to bother me a little bit. Some of these matches that people are talking about and I'm seeing Shibata thrown out there against Kenta. Evidently edge seems to think that he's got one more match in him. Paige just went and had another neck surgery and she seems to think that maybe she can return to the ring at some point. We keep hearing all these rumors of sting versus undertaker, which you can bet your ass would happen in Saudi Arabia. That's not happening here in the United States. Rick, is this just a matter of financials or like, I don't want to see any of these people wrestle again, like for, for their own good. I personally don't want to watch any of these matches. Well, I think, you know, in many of these cases is all is always say here where people would just just because you're being a stingy fan, you want to remember them the way they are. I mean, it's none of your business to tell individuals how they can make a living if they can go get a payday like that. But as we're looking at, you know, the list that you've run off here. The serious question is, it comes down to, you know, their well-being, their health. And there has to be a concern if there's somebody that, you know, brought you years of in- entertainment you were a fan of, even if you weren't. You understand the business that they're in, how dangerous this could be. So that, yeah, obviously there has to be concern and question regarding their health. But if they're going to get physically cleared, if they're okay for these one-offs, then why not come back? Because I mean, this is like a drug. This is in you. It's it's always going to be there. You want that thrill of the audience. You want to shine in front of a stage. And there's nothing like going out there for professional wrestling. And you look at, I mean, just for these individuals that you, they're at the, they're at the very top of their game. They're working for the biggest promotions in the world. You know, you look at the the weekend warriors. They're going out there and doing it just for the pure passion. And sometimes you question even that. But, but it's there because they love it. It's a drug. It's highly addictive. But again, you know, what really jumps out to me, you talk about financials. When we're looking at someone's like Edge and Sting, you know, they want that Saudi money. They're seeing what these individuals are getting. They're going over there working one show, you know, multi-million dollar contract for a one-off match over there. No matter where you're sitting in life financially and all that, you know, if you can feed that desire to go out there one more time and set yourself you know, set yourself to a better level personally and financially, I see no problem with it. Well, I mean, all of these situations are a little bit different. Obviously, Paige is kind of where Edge was when he was forced to retire. And there has never been any talk of Edge coming back until all of a sudden the Saudi money started rolling in. In fact, Edge was on a no contact list. And that's why we were so surprised to see him spear Elias at SummerSlam, but people are talking now, who do you want to see the Edge match against? You know, do you want to see like Edge versus Seth Rollins or do you want to see Edge versus AJ Styles? And it's like, number one, I don't want to see Edge wrestle. And if Edge does wrestle, I want it to be somebody like Elias, where this is not going to be a strenuous match in any way, shape or form. This is going to be one, two, three. Thank you. I'm done. Well, I think that's what you need here. Either someone that's going to work with, a, you know, a, a character like Elias, bring you out there and get your character working, get the big pops, you know, hit the inner, you know, the exchange on the mics, which those two could be brilliant with in a build. Uh, go out there, hit a quick, quick move, matches over within moments. You don't, you don't necessarily want to see him in there with someone like Rollins or AJ Styles, where those expectations are going to be set so high. 
that he's going to have to go out there and you know and put himself in danger to perform at those expectations. This is old and basically don't touch me edge. This is not 2003. I'm getting ready to set the world on fire. Rated our superstar. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, look at when Shawn Michaels had to go out there and carry that match because of the injury to Triple H, and you know they're taking on the Brothers of Destruction. No, that's a fluke in there. Triple H could have carried that match for everyone. You get that injury, then it falls on Sean. Now we remember that. You know, if it could have just been in that match, Triple H doing the brunt of the work, and then the showstopper coming in, hitting the sweet chin music, getting the big pin, it would have been a great moment then. I also, I would like to see Edge, if in some way we can get him involved in a, some sort of tag, six-man, where, you know, yeah, you're going to have some spots that they're going to be remembered for, but then you get the big spear and Edge with the pin, and, and that's the feel-good moment. Well, and I'm not even sure I want the spear because the problem is his neck. And the way that he hurt his neck was that stupid TLC match where he speared Jeff Hardy off of the freaking ladder. Everybody remembers that spot. And if you look at Edge, the second he hits the ground, he is out because he came down on his head because that's just how a spear freaking works. If he comes down on his head once and he's done. You have to have him in there with someone that is very trusted, is going to protect him, and it's not going to be high risk. That's what you're going to have to position this thing as. And you got to believe work, you know, that spot there with Elias was, you know, the ultimate test for him. See if he can go out there and run this thing. You know, what's, what's the, you could, he could do it all he wants at the performance center or in any kind of training ring. It's different than the adrenaline running when you're in front of that audience. And that's what the test run was with Elias. The second that music hits and you walk out on that stage, it's 100% pure adrenaline. And I'm pretty sure you don't feel anything. And that's why, that's why we got what we did. And that's the same issue with Katsutori Shibata. If you put Katsutori Shibata in a ring with Kenta, people are going to expect a five-star classic. This is not going to be a minute and a half Goldberg match or a minute and a half Edge versus Elias match. They're going to expect these two guys to go out there and kill each other for 25 minutes. And, oh, yeah, you can't fix a brain bleed. Well, and you see, when we were talking about the difference in situation, you talk about the New Japan style in any circumstance. It's completely different than the sports entertainment that we get from WWE. The Rashad Shibata, it's going to be a, greater, a much greater risk for him to step out there because even the low expectation is going to be very dangerous. And I, I think that the, the risk is so much higher just because of the injury as well. Like, yeah, Edge has, you know, some screws in his neck. That really sucks. Shibata's injury is his brain is bleeding. He has a subdermal hematoma. Like, the, the most basic drop on his head could kill him. Yeah, I mean, which is so different. Uh, and anyway, when we look at you talk about the differences in these situations, you know, with Edge and Sting within WWE, of course, they're financially set. They have actually ventured outside of professional wrestling and found some success, especially Edge recently in acting. Sting's done so much work through, you know, through his religious beliefs and, and even gotten into acting himself. In the case of Paige, I wonder if it's uh, more of a concern over her value. What is her worth? I mean, all she's ever known is professional wrestling. Yeah, like literally since she was an early teenager, this is all she has known. Well, I mean, she she had a movie, you know, based on her life that was, you know, about coming up in professional wrestling. Her, that was all her family knew. That's all she's done. You know, she's been with WWE since breaking into the, well, I mean, you know, since what, a teens that she's been, you know, in that system. She's still very young. She's, 
away from WWE, everything has been essentially a train wreck. I mean, it's a TMZ episode. Like, is she just questioning her value, her worth? I mean, if she loses this again, what is there for Paige? Yeah, then what? And then there's Sting and The Undertaker. And I think anybody who's listened to us for any amount of time knows that I have absolutely no desire to see The Undertaker wrestle again. And I love Sting. I absolutely love Sting. I was a little stinger. I grew up on WCW and the NWA. I don't want to see Sting wrestle again. Sting has spinal stenosis. Sting went basically limp in a match with Seth Rollins after a buckle bomb. So let's put him in there with The Undertaker to get tombstoned. Because what could possibly go wrong in, you know, the 110 degree heat in Saudi Arabia? Well, you know, I wish that and maybe you could go back to this and maybe play in a little bit of, you know, because you've got things coming up here. We're going to talk about AEW versus NXT, WWE. Maybe you could go back to where Sting is leading a WCW team against Undertaker with a WWE team. Because uh, there's still there's still enough from WCW. You could find individuals to come work, you know, get a big payday, come work a show there for them against some of, you know, the older WWE guys where not everyone has to go in there and, you know, push themselves completely to their limits. Yeah, I mean, all of this just seems like it ends badly to me, and I can't help but blame Daniel Bryan. Ever since Daniel Bryan came back from his quote-unquote retirement, he's kind of opened up this whole new path into the world of professional wrestling and, and dealing with injuries and coming out of retirement because of them. And I guess my question to you is, can you enjoy Daniel Bryan match at this point? Because I still can't. Every time he does that stupid diving headbutt, it bugs me. Every time he's selling that he's got a concussion, it bugs me. I don't want to see Daniel Bryan get injured again. I don't want to see him get injured either, but not to the extent that you are. You know, if he's been cleared, this is Daniel Bryan's doing. You know, how long... Did WWE say, dude, we, we just don't feel comfortable. We don't want to go this route. But he continued to fuck. He continued to fight them at every corner, every turn, until he got what he wanted to return to this ring. Again, you know, that, that could have been driven for multiple reasons. But it, at its very bottom line, it's just that crazy passion, that addiction for the business. Head injuries bother me. I blame Chris Benoit for that. Can you, can you enjoy going back on the network and watching a Chris Benoit match? I try, I, I tried last night, and I can't do it. I don't watch them, and it's not because of the injury. I mean, that is a horrific thing, but I'm not – and I know this is a topic of great debate, but I am on the side that I will not praise. I will not watch. I will not do anything supporting what he did, and I don't care what the situation was around it. You know, if, if there was, you know, mental breakdowns, whatever, uh, there are still individuals that, that are deceased because of it. And now we just learned that over the course of the weekend, Dr. Britt Baker has been cleared to return to action for AEW. Rick, this really alarmed me because one of two things is going on here. Either they're taking their protocol for concussion testing way more seriously than the WWE seems to, or... There was something really, really wrong with Dr. Britt Baker here, which going back to that match makes you view it in a completely different context. We said at the time that match should have been shut should have been shut down, and they just let it go on. Good God, that's what, two months? 
to get cleared from a concussion? Doesn't that seem like a long time to you? Uh, yeah, but you, but you know, it's it, it, it was a very serious issue. You could tell right away there was something wrong there. And obviously it was, was even you know further along than we believed at the time. So, yeah, and we go back to talking about when Cody and the Bucks have talked about changing philosophies within the business. You've got to believe that meant medically as well, to take care of individuals. Hey, look at Cody, look, and maybe not so much when Cody was coming up, but I'm sure he saw some of it. You know, it was work through injury, work through pain. But to see everything that his brother and his dad had to go through to make sure you could keep their spot, keep going on. And there was probably times that, you know, as the booker, his dad had had to, you know, force that hand on certain talents. And they don't want to go that route. They, this is a company, you know, owned by wrestlers. So it's going to be for wrestlers. They're going to be very protective of their talents. It's going to be an interesting story to watch kind of going forward, how injuries are dealt with inside of AEW and especially head injuries like this. You know, I mean, if Tony Khan is used to NFL concussion protocol, you know, you, you could be looking at a very different system than what the WWE is going through. And well, and that's that's a great point, Jargo. We got to realize, you know, WWE has always been about wrestling and sports entertainment. Now, they have probably they're gone out and they study and they've worked with different groups outside of it to bring them into you know, to really enhance, you know, their, their care. But it's still at its very base. It was around you know, those old school, you know, professional wrestling philosophies. When we get to AEW, they're bringing in individuals that have been working with the NFL, you know, a league and and with soccer as well. Two leagues that take head injuries very, very seriously. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting kind of sub story to watch going forward into the fall because injuries happen, of course, but it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it as a company versus how WWE does. And speaking of WWE versus AEW, um, Rick, it seems like this is going to happen. NXT to the USA Network. This is expected to be announced basically at any time, although my Stooge report says that this is going down on Monday Night Raw. Um, do you remember when Finn Balor got called up to the main roster and they had, uh, it was like the draft night and they had the entire NXT crew all gathered there watching Raw together? That's going down tonight too. Uh, yeah, you talk about a bombshell. I mean, this thing coming completely out of nowhere when the, you know this, this rumor, this news was breaking. Everyone's just so sure that Fox had made a play for NXT to go to FS1 it seems now that we're that we're talking about it and it, it, people are buzzing about it, it was so obvious. How did we potentially miss this thing? As you know, USA is not just going to let you know one of their their prime pieces of real estate. Even if, you know we we bust on the ratings each and every week, how they are in the dump. It still remains a very you know very high and watch show for the USA Network. And I know there's a little bit TV-wise that you want to get into explain these tiers about how these networks rank and how you need to maintain your certain audiences. You know, now that we're sitting here and this thing's about to, you know, to actually drop, it's like, why didn't we see this coming? Well, in a way, I kind of did. And we talked about it at the time because they tested this back in December. If you remember, there was that one episode of NXT during WWE week that they ran on Wednesday night, December 13th, and they pulled 841,000 viewers, which is well below SmackDown. And it's very, very well below Monday Night Raw. 
But we kind of talked about it then at the time that this could be testing to see if they wanted to move NXT to the USA Network. And we talked then that it was a terrible idea. And I still stand by that viewpoint. Um, NXT that night was number 22 on the list of the top 50 shows that night. The Librarians on TNT, just for comparison, was number 10. I've never watched The Librarians. I've never even seen a commercial for The Librarians. I have no idea what that television show is about. I'll give you one guess. Librarians? Bingo! But it was number 10. NXT was number 22. Now, a lot of those were like news shows, and there was NBA playoffs and all kinds of stuff going on at the time. But still, number 22. It wasn't necessarily something to write home about. Now they're talking about going two hours live Wednesday nights head-to-head with AEW. What this is going to do, though, is more importantly for the USA Network, SmackDown is their number two show right behind Monday Night Raw when you look at their viewership over the course of the week. When you are in that top tier of the cable ratings, you can charge more for advertising. And I have wondered forever where they were going to make up that viewership. We know that there is a deal with the NHL and NBC Universal in place. We've seen some of the NHL shell games end up on USA, but that's still not going to cover what they're going to lose weekly, 52 weeks a year from SmackDown to keep them in that upper tier, that tier one, when you go to Dish Network and boom, USA Network is there. You don't have to pay more to get it. The same thing with DirecTV, your local cable company. They're in that first tier. Everybody has USA Network. Losing SmackDown very conceivably could have dropped them out of that first tier. Well, and also, if you're, I mean, just looking at from the network standpoint, yeah, you want to maintain that first tier just overall. But your WWE, you you got a, a dog in that fight as well. You cannot have your, you know, up to this point flagship show Raw go to where now you have lost a good portion of just your general audience because now it's in a premium package where USA is included. Yeah, and we have saw Impact go through this when they left Spike TV, and it's been a downhill spiral ever since then. And and that's what they have tried to do. You know, it's, they've been in business with, with USA since the 80s. And it could have been, you know, in those meetings, okay, we're leaving. We're going to take part of this product. We're going to go to Fox. We're going to try to hit the open network here. And that, and that made a lot of sense for WWE because now you've created a competition inside the marketplace for your programming instead of just relying on one platform to carry everything for you. And when we see this in the bidding wars for you know the major sports, and I'm not saying that they're going to be able to achieve the success in the financial volume of like the NFL, but now because the NFL is spread across multiple networks and it is such a hot ticket, you have everybody overbidding for certain things. And that's what we, you know, this number that we see with Fox with with WWE. I mean, it just blows you away what they paid here. But now that that's going to drive, it really drives the entire value of the entire industry up. Just outside of WWE, anyone else that's going to be going out there, it sets a new standard, a new bar. But in the negotiations with USA, you had to believe, okay, we know we're taking this away from you. We're going to fill in the gap. We're going to fill the void with a little bit cheaper programming for you, but it's still going to be, it's still going to keep you in that level, that viewership level. How about we bring NXT on? You know what? When we should have saw this, what we should have saw coming. Oh, you didn't know? 
was when Road Dog went to NXT. That's when we should have not saw something coming because we all heard that he was being reassigned and then we heard that he was going to NXT. That was very much the beginning of this because Road Dog's been on headset. I've commented on the show a couple of times about how the NXT product just something feels different. It's Road Dog on headset. That's what's going on. And they're going to, because Road Dog's the only one that knows this system. He's, he was on SmackDown forever, helping guide that show. Now the question is going to be, what's going to happen to NXT in moving to the USA Network? Because I'm expecting a very different product now. Yeah, again, this goes back to, you know, now this isn't Triple H's baby. This isn't what we've come to love from NXT. This isn't just something that's a highlight on the network. This is big time for them now, which means... There's going to be people, you know, brass in the company, mainly Vince McMahon, that's going to have more of an eye on this product. You're going to have network executives from USA that have always expected this sports entertainment presentation, you know, over the very foundation where we had more of a traditional pro wrestling that was catering towards that smirkier audience with inside the WWE universe. That could all be out the window. As we were talking about, you know, the last takeover, a lot of my notes that I was asking you about is, man, it felt a lot more sports entertainment to me. I think one of the the thing that's really going to be interesting to watch is how this is going to work live. There's so much of NXT that is done in post-production, whether it be voiceovers, whether it be the promo packages, the way they construct the sets, the outs, like they've got video packages edited. Like remember the Alistair Black who attacked Alistair Black and they had it from all kinds of different camera angles outside of full sale. That was very, very well produced to look gritty. You know, they're not going to be able to pull that stuff off live unless you're working on it weeks and weeks and weeks ahead, which has just not been the WWE way for what seems like a very long time at this point. Well, when you talk about that production value, now what they can do, they got something in the can. They've got a month or so to edit that. Now you're going to be looking at a couple days to get something ready to plug in for a live audience and have that feed just sitting there. But you're right. I mean, from what we've learned from WWE, they're not really big on the pre-tapes. You know, they try to pull those things live. And a lot of times, again, when you give the wrestler, I mean, it could have taken it could have taken 10 takes to get that perfect and then get the editing. Now you're only going to have a couple and you're expecting wrestlers to become actors. Or like the the Adam Cole vignettes when he's standing back there by the scaffolding and his music is playing underneath of him like that's all done in post. Question for you, Jargo. Is there? A, have you heard any of the rumblings here? Will NXT still be available on the network? You regularly say that you know a, a network like USA, they don't. Everyone's talks talks about DVR. They don't give a crap about DVR. They care about real time viewership because of advertising. Could you see NXT maybe staying on the network, but you know, airing delayed like they do with Hulu or? I think it'll be like it is with Raw and SmackDown right now. What is it? A three-week delay? It is on there? Okay. Well, I mean, for Raw and SmackDown, because you can go back and watch Raw and SmackDown on the network, but it's, what, three weeks behind? Isn't that it? I've I've never paid attention to that option on the network, so I didn't know where where that layover would be and if they could negotiate a, a a special agreement for NXT to have it air, you know, maybe Friday. 
so that you could still catch it. I know on Hulu, it's it's a next day or two day that you can catch the episodes, and they're shortened versions, though. You know that you're missing a lot of the filler and the fluff. My bigger question I'm getting towards here: All right, we're going to get the major announcement. You're saying tonight on Raw. When do we get a follow-up announcement that's going to reassure subscribers that the network has value and worth right now? I'm seeing so many fans out there saying, I only subscribe because of NXT. Yep. Or that's that's a large portion. It gives them something weekly instead of one event a month. How bad is this going to hit the actual network? Well, and there's two problems here, because not only is there that, there's also that new network update that went out that everybody is complaining about. We all had issues with it with SummerSlam during stupid buffering that we've never had problems with before. I, I saw those comments absolutely everywhere. And it's they put that update in there to lead to the tiered system. That's what that update is there for. The tiered system is already in place. It's a matter of when are they going to unlock it on the website. So now, as we're getting ready to introduce this new higher price tiering system, we're going to take away the most popular thing on the network. Like, what the hell kind of stupid ass business model is this? Well, that's what I, I wanted to ask you about, because I just don't see, obviously, now the top tier is going to include the monthly pay per view. Or, you know, the marquee events for the red and the blue. I think they need to make that the cheapest tier and make you have to pay for all this other shit that people want to watch. But at that cheapest tier at nine ninety nine, you better give people the pay-per-views or I think people are just going to cancel left and right because there's no reason to keep it. We'll just pirate the stream. I got you. Yeah, go go in opposite direction here. You know, you're going to you're going to be able to squeeze more juice out of the individuals that want that old content, because now now the main reason everyone's coming is for that nine ninety nine. That'd be your base right there. That gets you started. I'm wondering what they can, what and how many they can sell at those higher prices there. Because the reason I stepped away from it is that it seemed that they were they weren't updating or you know uploading as much old content, especially from the promotion. All these promotions they went and owned, you know, that I absolutely loved watching as a kid. I can only go back and watch so much Attitude Era. And that's going to be the other tier because now with NXT moving, there is no more developmental. Developmental is done, gone, and out the window. Developmental now becomes Evolve, Progress, ICW, all these companies that they have been signing these deals with over the course of the last however many years. And I don't think those move enough units. I mean, you go back to the last takeover when we're giving our our celebrity shots. I mean, it, it Granted, it's maybe a, a small sampling. They show the evolved champion, Austin Theory, and it's like crickets. Nobody knew who Austin Theory was. And at this point, they've almost, you know, a lot of fans have forgotten about NXT UK. Are those going to be enough of a hook to keep people at those higher tiers to stay, you know, highly invested and highly interested in the network? Talk a little bit more about NXT UK when we talk about New Japan, because New Japan has done pissed me off. First, we got to talk about SmackDown. Uh, and more specifically, the SmackDown debut on Fox. Rick, they are going to do a 20th anniversary show of SmackDown. 
for their debut episode on Fox. They're advertising Kurt Angle, Lita, Booker T, Mick Foley, Hulk Hogan, Trish, Goldberg, Jerry the King Lawler, Mark Henry, Ric Flair, Sting. They've already announced Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, and Eric Rowan versus The New Day. That's already been announced for the show. This is a terrible, terrible idea doing an anniversary show for your debut episode on Fox, you're going to spike a rating, and week two, it's going to go in the toilet. You know, this is like this is like the NFL kicking off their season, or, you know, the NFL signing on with a brand new network. Everything's exciting. Everything's hot. We're going to bring out, how I don't know, let's just see, like the Cardinals versus the Giants to start this thing, or the Rams versus the Giants, two big markets. But, oh, yeah. We're going to have Peyton Manning quarterback one team and Brett Favre quarterback the other because we don't have the faith in our current crop and our product and our creative that you're going to want to tune in to watch this bullshit. This just seems like a terrible idea. We saw a raw reunion. Did they not learn anything? They spike a rating and then they have their quarterly conference call. And then the next week, the rating goes right back to where it was. In fact, they lost another 75,000 people. And I think it's 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 a matter of overkill right now. This is this is entirely too much. When you bring in this many talent, you know this many former talents, everything gets very confused. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not establishing what this show is about, and you're going to turn people off to it by week two, as you said. You look at the drop off. I could understand one or two big names. I mean, I'd be doing everything I possibly could. To get The Rock to come in and give me two minutes. This is The Rock show. Have him come in and open it. People will tune into it. Have The Rock come out, op- cut an opening promo, put over this new roster, put over the athleticism. You know, this isn't The Rock's WWE. You're going to see absolute athletes doing incredible feats. You're going to want to tune in each and every week because that's the direction this company's going in. You know, I'm more storyline and character driven. But they're not there right now. They, they don't want these people to shine like that, but they sure as hell can go out there and, and, and wow you with some of these feats and maneuvers that they put on. What do you think of them advertising Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns this far out? I mean, I know card subject to change, but this is the debut on Fox. Like, if you're going to advertise it, you better deliver. Absolutely. Uh, I'm expecting, but I think you need to put some more stakes on this thing. I mean, if. Is this is this going to grab a new audience? Well, I just I wonder is this like forecasting that Samoa Joe is behind this entire trying to murder Roman Reigns thing? Like, did did they just spoil this like they did Undisputed Era winning the tag team championships? I couldn't believe that they stooged that off on their own freaking Twitter. Uh, again, you know, I I could think this could be more of you know this is a great rivalry. Hopefully, you know, people are going to they're, they're hoping people recognize Roman Reigns. He does have a tremendous look there in this transition. If you can start promoting Joe is just this ruthless, you know, once he gets in there in the ring. But if people are tuning in to see what's going on and and Joe's playing a confusing character, is that going to transition? I don't think this far out, you should have been advertising any actual matches. Oh, I completely agree with that. I am looking forward to the draft to see exactly what happens with all of these rosters as we get ready for seven hours of WWE TV a week. That just sounds like a nightmare. 
As much as I love NXT, that just sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, and, you know, again, you know, the, the nice thing with NXT was with the network, it was something not that you were looking forward to watching, not that you weren't, but it, with the option of the network, you could take a break from the other stuff and catch it later. You know, that's why I enjoyed binge watching it because there's so much going on. You know, by the time I get through the red and the blue, it's so taxing. I'm just done with anything under the WWE call letter. Yeah, it's, a, it's sad, but true. So let's talk about the competition. Yeah, AEW. Rick, they did it again, and then they did it again. They sell out both Philly and Boston, and it looks like both of these shows sold out in about an hour. They're going to announce shows four and five today, noon Eastern Standard Time, probably about the same time this show is hitting your ear holes. What are the chances that if you download this show on Tuesday morning, well, I guess they're just announcing, but it's like they're just moving tickets like it's it's no big deal. WWE can't give tickets away fast enough, but AEW is just selling out left and right. This is awesome. The machine keeps rolling on, and it does speak to, you know, that they, they've had a great strategy in how they've rolled this thing out here. I think it speaks more that, that there is a need for professional wrestling. You know, granted, it might not be the great boom that we once saw, but there is certainly a need. And if and if you're giving the consumer what they want, you know, if they feel that you actually care about them, you know, it's essentially if you build it, they will come. So I guess my question is, we know AEW is going to be a traveling circus. I have heard mixed reports as far as NXT, if they are going to be traveling or if they are going to remain based at full sale. If you're WWE, what do you do? Do you take NXT on the road or do you keep it in-house at full sale? Because think of what the production cost of putting another tour on the road is going to be Versus just doing the damn thing at full sale. Yeah, it's only like, you know, 600 people, but you've got all the production already built in. Uh, obviously, there's pros and cons to this thing. Uh, if you have that home base, and they do so well down there, and you've got that production team in place at full sale, it takes care of you. They do an incredible job. But that is on the delays. And there is going to be the questions, as you were talking about earlier, Jargo, like how are they going to be able – are they going to be able to pull off those, you know, that same – energy that same vibe going live or having you know their their stuff in the can just days ahead of time instead of the long-term planning that we see i'm also worried about the audience you know it's it's different when you bring them in for a set of tapings you know what maybe every six weeks and they're there for a day or two and they're hot they're excited they're seeing things everything play out right in front of their eyes it will in-ring action plays out in front of their eyes that they're fired up, the energy is incredible. Is that going to wear thin week to week? Is it a case where you run into where you've got an impact zone on your hands? That's absolutely the risk. And there's also the risk of that full sale crowd just turning off people that are tuning into NXT. Because NXT is a very, very different kind of production. And if the show's going on the road, 
What does that do to the crowds? Because maybe you don't have such a hot crowd. Maybe you don't have Mauro Ranallo anymore because we know what happened the last time Mauro went on the road. Like, there are a lot of factors to consider with all this. Uh, Nigel McGinnis is another perfect example. Is he still going to be doing 205 and then Wednesday jumping on a plane and going to do NXT? Does the commentary team look completely different? Well, you know, another another situation there with Ronaldo. It, it, everything works now because it's in taping, and then you got to take over live every so often. He's got other commitments. You know, he's working on a number of other promotions. If it's MMA, if it's boxing, you know, is he going to be available every when you know to catch a flight Tuesdays or Monday nights, Tuesdays, get there in time for this thing? Another one out of here. Is that going to weigh on someone like him? And these other individuals that that you've got just constantly traveling, does this mix up the whole dynamic? You know what we see in the commentary team that lends so much, you know, lends so much credibility and excitement to that programming. The other question is: Are we going to stick with quarterly takeovers, or are we going to go to twelve takeovers a year? Because we know AEW has announced that they are only going to be running four major events as their, their big pay-per-views is like the four cornerstones like WWE used to do before the 90s went absolutely crazy and Bischoff started running all those damn pay-per-views. Well, it's it, I think you had more to that too. You know, are we going to see the influx of talent that's introduced? Because we're going from that one hour into it's essentially, go, in reality though, what, an hour 45 because yeah, of your average roughly. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're adding two or three more segments. You know, is that going to really weigh on the product? You know, is it still going to be that bang, 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 I want more, or are we going to start dragging things out here? Because it's hard. I know a lot of I mean, Raw is very taxing. But at times now, it's hard to get to a SmackDown because of, you know, that extended period, even at two hours. They're, they're not really doing anything that makes us want to come back week after week. Are they going to overextend themselves? If this thing isn't a smash, you know, within six weeks, we've seen WWE pull back very quickly when live things are not working for them or they come up with new taping schedules. What is what is the faith? What is the the allowance, especially going against AEW to to remain live for an extended period of time? Yeah, what happens if AEW comes out and smokes them out of the first show? Then what? Hell, hey, on the flip, you're coming out here with essentially they're proven, but they're not proven on this platform and in this, in this style. This could this could seriously hurt both of them as you're causing people to flip back and forth. I, I don't know why we got this, you know, it's this absurd, you know, idea. You're already seeing fans which one are you going to watch well now it doesn't matter because the same night dvr it's going to be like you just watched both shows right right but you know people are like okay which one are you going to watch i know you favored wcw back in the day i was split right down the middle but you watched both didn't you yeah i i didn't watch wwf nearly as closely as i did wcw but yeah i mean i followed along with both of course okay so you're, i mean why can't why are we starting? Why are we building this divide? You know, drawing this line in the sand as professional wrestling fans, we should be excited to have, you know, top notch variety and embrace both of them, support both of them. It's not like you have to be one or the other. 
I feel like you could replace pro wrestling with uh, the left and right, and that same argument would still apply. Uh, as for AEW, this week we did see some of their content come out. Being the Elite, episode 165, their farewell to independent wrestling, the Young Bucks working their last independent match. A couple of interesting notes from that show. Number one, Hangman Page finally cutting a promo. That was nice to hear. And then we had the announcement of Orange Cassidy. They have signed Orange Cassidy. Rick... Over the course of uh, the last week or so, I was talking with our friend Joe Morin over at Turnbuckle Talk, and he's a big supporter of Orange Cassidy. And so I was hoping that Joe could convince me to at least, you know, give Orange Cassidy a real solid shot. So I was like, dude, I want you to send me the best Orange Cassidy match that there is. And he sends me this match. It's Orange Cassidy versus Kylie Ray, who is also signed with AEW, ironically enough. And I like Kylie Ray, so I'm like, cool gonna watch this and it takes place in a bar of about 200 people and the nicest thing i can say about it is like the most vicious spot that i saw in the match was a body slam so at least they knew the the audience that they were working for and they didn't do too much but i think i may have finally found a professional wrestler that i hate just as much or more than yano because i cannot freaking stand orange cassidy this dude's a freaking choke like i don't want to go all jim Cornette on this fucking guy but this dude does nothing for me well, is it is it just uh, like the vibe, or I mean, could you give us specifics? Uh, I mean, what the hell was the turnoff? He's Orange Cassidy. Like, have you seen like have you seen much of this guy's work? I've seen some. I mean, it's just it does nothing for me. Like, I imagine this is how Jim Cornette feels when he's watching a Joey Ryan match. Like, he just infuriates me. I feel like he's making fun of the entire pro wrestling industry, and I, I feel like this works in a bar. For 200 people, but you're going to put this on TNT? Well, I, and I wonder if I, I was going to do two questions, two things here for you. I mean, Cornette, as you're talking about Cornette towards Joey Ryan, a lot of that, those same attacks, his feelings are the same towards the Bucks and, and what they do to disrespect professional wrestling and how, you know, they disregard all the tradition, the value. So are you really overly surprised? that someone like that would be on the radar for AEW? Because uh, in, in many Valid. ways, I mean, uh, what AEW does, uh, I, I love, you know, a lot of their promotion. I, I love the direction there. But there, I do take great issue with the overfeeding the insider, the, the smart, you know, as soon as the show's over, we completely just tear down the set and pull that damn curtain back. That irritates me. Well, I mean, like, for me, I feel like enough is enough. Like, our truth works because there's only one our truth, right? Now, on a two-hour show on Wednesday nights, you've got Orange Cassidy, you've got the librarians, we've got Michael Nakazawa. It's like, how much goddamn mid-card comedy do you fucking need? I, and I was going to, that was my, the other one I was going to bring up here. What is his spot? Because you've already got so many comparable acts right there. Now, is it they don't want to overexpose anyone, so they're in like a rotation, and then whatever kind of shines, what rises to the top, will we'll get that main that main comedy spot there. Well, but it, you're right. I mean, it's a, a lot of this undercard here. We're seeing is 
you, you know, they're, they're building like for back in the day, it's it's a bunch of disco infernos. Right. And I love Glenn, but like th- there's a certain li- he worked because there was only one disco inferno, you know, and, and it's it's the same thing with our truth. But the problem is and, and this was my complaint with the 24 seven title to begin with. Right. You can't give me Orange Cassidy and then on the same show, give me Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes. Like if you've got Orange Cassidy out there just completely making fun of the entire industry. And then in the next segment, you want me to take Cody versus Sean seriously. It's, it's a complete disconnect for the viewing audience. And it's the same. This is why people are like, come on, man, the 24 seven stuff. It's great. Okay, but that's happening on the same show as Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. And you want me to take this seriously, but not this. Tell me another TV show on the face of the planet that expects that from the viewer. It would be like UFC on their undercard having Foxy Boxy. Right. And then running out there with, you know, a legit mixed martial arts contest. Yeah, it's it's just th- there's a line. You like I, there is a place for mid card comedy. That's not what I'm saying. Like there is a spot for our truth on the WWE roster, but he has to be used in the right way. And like there might be a place for Orange Cassidy on a roster. I'm just not sure that Wednesday nights on TNT is the presentation that you want to give when you're trying to give me, you know, the Young Bucks and LAX and Cody versus Sean Spears and John Moxley versus Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa versus Orange Cassidy. Get the fuck out of here. It just doesn't work. It's disconnected. It's fine for being the elite, but that's kind of my line for it. We also saw The Road to All Out, Episode 5 and 6. We had the announcement that the best friends are going to take on the Dark Order at All Out. We kind of already knew that. It's going to be for a bye in the tag team tournament. We got by the numbers with Alex Marvez regarding Cody and Sean Spears. And Rick, I really like Alex Marvez kind of in this role. I like him a whole lot better doing this than I do actually on commentary when he's doing the like by the number stat stuff. Cool. But there's like no way that you can just incorporate that into commentary. It doesn't really work. Well, I think, you know, it is, it's a learning stage for them. All these, these shows building up to all out and television was finding, okay, we, we've got these tremendous, tremendous personalities. I got people they want to be in business with that. They want to be a part of this exciting adventure going forward, but where do they fit? And I really enjoyed this this segment here on on Road Two. I, I think it's the perfect fit. They found exactly what he brings to the table and what he's going to contribute. And, and I'd love to see segments like this on the show. And I mean, now, this is great filler for him without you know having to overpose talent themselves. And now they're bringing in Tony Schiavone. We've seen that he has signed a deal with All Elite Wrestling. I'm assuming that's to do like the control room. Because there's a lot of people that expect that Tony Schiavone is going to return to commentary, and I don't think that's the case. He's got too many commitments with the University of Georgia. He's not giving up that gig to go do pro wrestling again. Well, and then he's still got he's still under contract with MLW. It sounds like that's coming to an end, though. Okay, well, even okay, that's coming to an end. There, you got to believe this is more. I would say more consulting role. Uh, you know, when you're there, help out. You know, behind the scenes with some things. You know, this, do some pre-tape even, stuff. That's all you need out of Tony Schiavone. Give, give me the Ooh. AEW Control Center. I was just, you, just, you just took the words out of my mouth, but I'd love to see something like that. Absolutely, and that'd be great for Tony Schiavone. 
Absolutely. Um, we did see Hangman Page cut a promo on being the elite. On Road 2, we saw Kenny Omega finally cut a promo towards John Moxley. And Rick, both of them were just kind of, they cut promos. Like, just like these promos are kind of a perfect metaphor for where your two lead baby faces are right now inside the company. They're just kind of drifting out there lost with no real direction. Like, Hangman and Kenny are supposed to be the two biggest baby faces in the company. And right now, I feel like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are more, more over than they are. Well, I think, you know, it was a matter of, and again, this, is, this has been disappointing. We've been talking about this for, for months now. We're not getting a suit, you know, especially with Paige. As soon as you put this young, great-looking stud, you know, it should embody everything you want in a professional wrestler, you put him in that match, he completely falls off the face of the earth. And you're not doing him any services by, you know, by pushing him back and trying to introduce these what you believe is these lesser-known talents. Just because Hangman's been running with you for a couple of years doesn't, know, doesn't mean that that general audience is going to realize who he is and going to get invested in him potentially becoming your, your first heavyweight champion. And with Kenny, I could see pulling back a little bit because he does, he is more recognized. But still, you you want him right there, maybe in that second or third spot, pushing this charge, getting people excited, where they've seemed to, in certain ways, just trying to focus on more introducing this undercard and hoping that everyone is going to be tuning in that's buying these tickets already knows who the elite are. And that's- or a Jericho and... That's kind of my fear because I'm assuming that they go directly to Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho coming out of that first TV that Kenny Omega is going to be the first challenger to Chris Jericho as the AEW champion. That's what I'm expecting, whether it's accurate or not. Uh, October 9th in Boston, we are going to see Sean Spears versus John Moxley. And we talk about how cold Kenny Omega is. Rick, For if somebody didn't watch the G1 Climax... How cold is Moxley right now? Like, we watched the G1, so he's been relevant to us for the last couple of months. But we've only seen, what, that one promo out of Moxley as well? What I, what I do like about this, and I like the announcement of the match itself, is each of these individuals are going to be, from you know, casuals or the general audience is going to be familiar if they've tuned in to WWE over the last couple of years. They're going to say, hey, like, oh, that's Dean Ambrose. And and maybe, you know, with Spears, I know that guy. I mean, I can't really place him, but I, I recognize he's a WWE guy. That is going to pull people in. And you're going to hear so many smarts, you know, like uh, Professor AOC. Oh, they're, they're headlining with WWE guys. They're hoping to draw that attitude in because then you're going to see two completely different individuals go to a different level. And it's going to be like a mo- one of those modern day moments, you know, where it's like, oh, damn. These guys are completely different than what they was getting in WWE. Maybe this entire product is this. The hell with what they got going on over there, red and blue, and and now you know the, the gold and the black. This is the next level here. So I, I agree with what they got there. October 9th, you're also going to see the first round of the AEW Tag Team Tournament kickoff with the Young Bucks versus Private Party. And Rick, this match scares me a little bit because when I remember when we first started doing this podcast, you were not a fan of the Bucks in any way, shape or form because you were more familiar with their American style, ironic wrestling. And it wasn't until you really saw them in New Japan that you were like, holy shit, these guys can actually work. 
when I see Young Bucks versus Private Party, my brain immediately goes to those matches in the States that you didn't like very much. I, I'm hoping a, a little bit different here. I hope I'm, I'm wrong. I hope I hope they're going the exact opposite. And they're going to give us what we were used to in New Japan, because with Private Party, again going back to a different, you know, that that general viewer tuning in, immediately we're going to get a comparison. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, these guys are just street profits. Yep. And if if the Bucks play to that and they go that route, that feeds that. It proves that argument right. I mean, I mean, obviously Private Party is was around way before and the street profits lifted their thing. But, you know, perception is as everything and people are going to be introduced to the profits before that. They already are beginning to be. So again, immediately you're going to see some of the manners of some of the same act. And you're going to think, Oh man, I just watched WWE. Holy shit. These guys just went at it. This is something different. You want to present it in that light and, and try to hook the viewer that way. I'm really hoping that the young bucks come out and they pull a bunch of that stupid ass bullshit that you hate so much. And then private party beats them in the first round of the AEW tag team tournament. Just get them out right away. What do you think of that idea? Would you worry about retaining viewers? Well, I mean, you can still do the bucks because we're assuming by that point that we're going to have a full blown young bucks versus LAX feud. Which does go to a different. I mean, well, that is it's it's a hybrid, I guess, a little bit. You get some, they can go cheesy, they can they can go over the top lucha. So it's it's a variety of what we're going to get there. You know, I, I think you know, in, in many ways, you got there and you show a very serious private party. They go out there and just flat out just whoop their behind. Just beat them. I, I think that could work because then you could still use the bucks in, in the off things. And then you, you're actually, what you're doing is you've got a, a big program in your tag division with your, your marquee players. And then you're building other people throughout your tournament. My, my question about LAX, and I don't know if anybody knows this. If, if this has been announced, somebody let me know. Is Conan coming with them? I mean, Conan works with AAA. We know that AAA and AEW are aligned. Conan manages LAX. Like, is Conan coming with them? Because we know that there's also now an issue with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros and Conan and, like, does Conan bring in LAX to, like, take them both out? Because that'd be kind of cool. Well, and, you know, we, and we still got some business to do between LAX and the Luchas. Yeah. And who's not down to see that match? I mean, you could you could actually involve all three of those teams in something completely aside from this tournament. And then you've also... Their tag division is really deep, man. I really like the AEW tag team division. They said they were going to build the best tag team division in the world. I, I think they did it, like, overnight. Just go get me some Briscoes, baby. Give me some G.O.D. Um, then we're going to see the first two title defenses on October 16th in Philadelphia. The AEW Championship will be on the line as well as the AEW Women's Championship on the line. Rick, what do you think about them giving away two title matches two weeks into TV? I think, you know, with this product right now, you got to come swing it. Uh, you're coming out of the gate. Uh, I, you know, we were kind of against, you know, WWE announcing some of those things there because none of that wows you. 
you're getting established here with AEW. You're giving people things. You're, you're building this company from the ground. You want to get your champions out there, and you want to start building these programs and get yourself settled into the regular routine of professional wrestling and weekly programming. I'm looking forward to it, man. I like that they're announcing matches ahead of time, kind of New Japan style. Like, we know that we're going to have two championship matches on October 16th. That's kind of cool. I enjoy that. I like it a whole lot better than just kind of announcing matches like, I don't know, the day of or maybe a couple of hours before. Sometimes we don't even announce them at all. Well, I know, but, but you know, in the same breath, though, we sat here and just blasted WWE for it, but it just comes off as such a different dynamic. Well, I think I'm blasting WWE for it more so for the storyline aspect because there's still an entire pay-per-view in between there. We haven't revealed the who done it with Roman Reigns, and it would be logical that that feud would still be continuing in the Fox. And you announce Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns for the fourth of October. Kind of well, just know, take some steam out of well, it for it's, me. It's, as long as you're presenting as we need a big match. And I think what really kills, I mean, those matches, I mean, they, they look great. You know, I think they're good. They're, people are going to enjoy them. But then when they're being, you know, they're lower on the marquee as, you know, in comparison to the stars from freaking 15, 20 years ago when SmackDown was getting going. Yeah, exactly. So let's throw it over to a word from uh, the Friday locker room. Yeah, Stevie Richards and Ben Hameen. And uh, we'll be right back on the other side. Talk a little bit of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling pissing me off. Some GCW Bloodsport. And, of course, your Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live preview. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in StevieRichardsFitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance fan training program. Yes, it is I, Bin Hameen, commanding all of you to join the wrestling revolution, the underground of media, and follow our brothers at Voices of Misery on Twitter and subscribe to their podcast because they support HackerHameen.Podbean.com and you will go support VoicesOfMisery.Podbean.com because there is no more misery when you leave those FM Mark channels and you join the media underground of Voices of Misery and HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Rise and praise, YOLO! <laughs> this is the bad boy, New Japan Pro Wrestling Tamatonga, and you're listening to that old ass podcast, King all right, Huckleberry, so we're back. Shout out to uh, Ben Hami and Stevie Richards, the Friday locker room, as well as, you know, the, the Wednesday locker room or that locker room show that happens on Wednesday. Also, shout out to the Voices of Misery podcast. I had Big Ray on there the other day. It was a really good interview with uh, 
Hamin Media's own Big Ray Hernandez. Did you get a chance to listen to that one yet? Uh, I did. I went and uh, I'll tell you what, I've really been enjoying their show just overall. I, I would have to say, uh, while I did enjoy the, the Big Ray interview, it was probably a low point in their programming. Oh, of course. I mean, you, it's Big Ray, you know. Shout out to Big Ray. Love that guy. Uh, Huckleberry, let's talk a little bit about GCW, Game Changer Wrestling. You know, this has become one of our uh, personal favorite kind of kind of independent promotions that's out there. They, these are the guys that put on the spring break shows, and they also put on Bloodsport. This was my favorite show over WrestleMania weekend. I still say Killer Cross and Davey Boy Smith belongs in anybody's top three of the weekend from WrestleMania weekend. And we're getting ready for Bloodsport 2, as presented by John. Josh Barnett, Saturday, September 14th, and your main event, Huckleberry, are you ready for this? John Moxley is going to have a no-ropes match with Josh Barnett. You know, just overall, these blood sports absolutely love this. Love the, the entire atmosphere, the, the style that they present here. Absolutely incredible, as you said. And this was one of the, the true highlights of WrestleMania weekend. That Killer Cross, that Davy Boy Jr. match, you know, stole stole the you know the entire weekend, if you will. There, and now that we're going to get this one for our main event, I mean, just that in itself sells this thing. But look at this undercard. You know, individuals that are scheduled to take place here, that you know, that are going to be participating, but we haven't seen you know we haven't seen how they're going to line up yet. There's there's a couple of these names that intrigue me greatly. Let's run through the list here. Number one, Killer Cross is returning, and that excites me greatly. Allison K. Are we going to have a women's match, or is Allison K. going to get in there and mess it up with one of these guys in a blood sport match? You know what? In in any case, I'm excited to see whatever she's got going on. She's an absolute incredible talent, tremendous physique, amazing look, tough as nails. Whatever they got planned for, you know, sign me up. Zachary Wentz, J.R. Kratos, Matt Makowski, Anthony Henry, Chris Dickinson, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Hell, I would even be down for a rematch. Killer Cross and Davey Boy too. Sign me up for that. Uh, this one intrigues me greatly. Filthy Tom Lawler, the former MLW World Champion. Gonna, man, there's so many of these matchups. I would love to see him in. Well, that's, you know, the one that really jumped out to me as we're looking through this, you know, we've already seen Davy Boy Jr. and Cross, like you said, I absolutely would not mind seeing round two of that thing. But Filthy Tom and Killer Cross absolutely jumped out to me. Triple threat. Triple threat. Could you imagine all three of those guys in there going at it? Uh, that, that, that would be an interesting dynamic. I don't know how the hell that would work in this concept. I don't either, but I would absolutely pay to see it and then we also have a pancrase legend ikushi manawa and if anything pancrase is absolutely what Bloodsport reminds me of uh true i mean this is another big name he's going to come in and wow people are going to be talking about him after this event you know when i saw this thing announcing all these talents i immediately i, I sent a message to william alice i said are you going to this thing I mean, it's right down the road. I said, dude, there would be nothing stopping me from being there if I was as close as, you know, as close as you were. Of course, the one that everybody wants to see is Superhuman. Rick, he has worked a GCW show before. Is there any chance that Bloodsport 2 is for all the juggalos and juggalettes? Please do not try this at home. Fuck this shit. This is the big draw. This is the, this is the incredible one. Who would you put him in there against? Killer Cross. 
Absolutely. Oh man, I, I want him in there like with some just small crazy dude that maybe that's just gonna. What about Allison K? Uh, no, that would get messy, man. Superhuman would like chub up. There, there might be some spillage. <laughs> Oh, that's tremendous and was totally worth talking about that show for. Let's talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Huckleberry, number one, New Japan has pissed me off. Uh, Royal Quest is not going to be available on New Japan World. It is going to be available exclusively on Fight TV. And the Super J Cup is not going to be live on New Japan World. It's going to be video on demand only. This makes absolutely no freaking sense to me whatsoever. What in the hell am I paying my 999 yen for if I don't even get to watch the fucking shows? Now, you know, we talk about WWE making some uh, head-scratching moves with their network. You know, what, is this, what does this do for, for New Japan? Or is this a tactic of... They're really disappointed in membership has stalled out so much that they're hoping to just try to grab a wider audience and get them hooked on the network on New Japan World. I think this is because of production costs, because the last time this happened was the Australia Super Showdown. We didn't get to watch those shows live. It's like anytime there's a show out of the freaking country, unless it's happening on Access TV, we don't get to watch it live. So it's all about the production cost then. I mean, and think about that. When you're moving international and all that, you might not be as familiar. New Japan isn't, let's say, as as forward, as advanced as we you know we're seeing some of these other majors. It so absolutely could just come down to something as simple as that. I don't like it. If, if you're going to do a Western expansion, make sure that you can expand Western first. I mean, Naito's been ripping on this in all of his promos. Like, we need to scale this back. This is not working at the rate that you want it to. We're not ready to do this. And it plays right into Naito's character, but I think he really feels that way. Tanahashi's been very outspoken about this as well. If you're not ready to do it, don't do it half-assed because this is just going to lose people. You're coming out of the G1, your hottest time of the year. What motivation are people going to have to renew for another month? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of your down period. This is, you know, that essentially. That's I mean, why you you're got, doing these shows to begin with. That's why, you know, this is that, that post WrestleMania that you see where everyone kind of drops off late spring, summertime. It's reversed here for New Japan. You're, I mean, it's great that you're setting up Wrestle Kingdom and all that, but it is a down spot. Makes no sense to me. We did get formal announcements for Royal Quest. It's going to be Kazuchika Okada taking on Minoru Suzuki for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. You're also going to see Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro British Championship. Neither one of these matches are we going to be able to see live. But Rick, I think the other thing that's very intriguing here is going to be the crowd response. Because Suzuki Goon absolutely runs the UK. Are they going to present these guys as their New Japan characters? Are they going to be presented as heels? Or is the new, or is the British New Japan audience going to rally behind Suzuki Goon and boo Okada and Tanahashi out of the building? New Japan is usually pretty decent on how they handle this, aren't they? 
I mean, from what I've from what I've seen, it's. I, I think mean, it really is going to be more so on that crowd because they love Zack Saber Jr. They love Minoru Suzuki. They do Rev Pro spots all the time. Hell, they were the tag team champions forever. And I think you're going to see a little bit where the commentary is going to feel that out. They're going to let it play out a little bit and let that crowd kind of dictate and see which direction they're going and how they're going to call this thing. This could be one of those things where you're in the ring, but you've got tremendous talents. They're going to be able to work on the fly and kind of change it up a little bit here. The other match that has been announced is going to be G.O.D. taking on the winners of a tournament that is currently going on in Rev Pro. I think everybody is assuming that Aussie Open is going to win that tournament because it has been announced they are departing for New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is a hell of a way to kick things off. Uh, could you see uh, the Aussies getting up, picking up a big win here? Or is it, okay, you put us down, but you know what? We, we want more. We think we can get you, so we're following you to New Japan. I don't think there's – you can't put those guys over G.O.D., can you? I mean, it would be a huge way to enter the, the promotion, wouldn't it? It would be. That's for sure. I, I don't know if I would want a target on my back like that if I upset the G.O.D., but yeah, – if you, if you want to run with the big dogs, I mean – Roman Reigns not included. Uh, we also saw the brackets for the Super J Cup announced. We're not going to run through all the matches. We'll save that for hitting the marks this weekend. Um, but, Rick, there's one match that absolutely just stands out, jumps off the page for everybody. Number one, this tournament is stacked. But when the first match of the tournament is going to be Will Ospreay taking on the Amazing Red in a dream match that they have been talking about for years at this point. Amazing Red on his retirement tour. This match is finally going to happen. What are you expecting? Just, you know, another five-star match from Will Ospreay? Well, I think, you know, if for these styles and all of this, these two are going to absolutely go out and, and burn it down. It's going to be and incredible. If you're a fan of this style, this is going to be one that you're not going to want to miss. Seeing a lot of talent announced from CMLL. There's also some Ring of Honor talent on here. They've done a really nice job of putting together a just fantastic junior heavyweight tournament going down at the end of August on the West coast. Um, I think there might still be tickets available for the Walter pyramid, but that is the only show that there would be any tickets available for Tacoma in San Francisco are stone cold sold out. You know, these tournaments are hot and uh, that's going to be a lot of conversation we got coming up. The only other thing before we get into King of the Ring is the John Moxley contract. We have found out that does run through January 4th. He is going to have a matchup with Juice Robinson, but Moxley said that there's only one condition. The only way that he's giving Juice a shot at the United States Championship is if it's in a no disqualification match. So we're going to get to see hardcore Moxley in Japan, and I think the fans are going to love it. The question is, is that the Wrestle Kingdom match? Are we going to have to wait all the way until January to see that? Or are we going to see Moxley a couple more times in Japan? Well, you, you got to wonder what's his availability. You know, he, he's got something, uh, a big weekly commitment coming up here shortly that they might not want to let him away from. Or, you know, can he miss, you know, all depending how schedules fall. I mean, could he miss a show? Hey, well, we've seen, you know, last week, though, the G.O.D. from North America and the next, you know, the next what day or so in New Japan working working matches. So these guys make a, a tremendous commitment when you're you know working for companies on both sides of the world here. 
I'm hoping we don't have to wait that long for Moxley back in New Japan, but I wouldn't be surprised. So let's talk about King of the Ring. Rick, before we jump into King of the Ring, who was your favorite King of the Ring? Do you, do you have a favorite King of the Ring looking back on history at this point? Uh, yeah, uh, actually very fond. I wanted to open up with my first marquee major WWE event was the first King of the Ring pay-per-view. Oh, very it nice. Was, uh, in Dayton, Ohio at the Nutter Center. Some tremendous memories there. I'd been to like television tapings up to that point, some house shows. Uh, but that first big marquee where, you know, every match was, you know, was in such importance. It, you, you felt how special it was inside that arena. Uh, and, of course, the, the man who won that evening went back to back. He's the only two-time King of the Ring winner, and that is uh, Mr. Bret Hart, the hitman. Was he your favorite king? Uh, I think so. You know, just to, to have that memory and to win it twice, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I particularly like that he didn't over abuse the gimmick where you just see, you know, going into it. Now I'm going to put on a crown and a cape and walk around with my scepter all the time. Uh, another great memory from, from that event. It was Hulk Hogan's departure from the WWE, the, the wow. fireball, the fireballs into the face where Yokosuna put him down uh, growing up. You know, we've talked about this many a times. I wasn't a Hulkamaniac. I, I was more warrior, or, you know, was at, Sometimes whoever his adversary was, I never really bought in the Hawks. I knew, I knew how great he was and all that. I just wasn't over the top about him. But I remember then when he entered that arena, as young as I was, man, my, my little legs shaking because that arena shook. I mean, the, the concrete was moving. You could feel it. It was incredible. You know, the intensity of Hawkamania and that was sweeping. You know, that was every arena everywhere. And he was saying goodbye. Still, you know, he, that was his farewell. No one knew it at the time. We didn't have the sheets like that. And that was it for Hogan. Just a couple of years later, he would turn on the entire pro wrestling world and completely reinvent himself and show the entire world what a scumbag he really is. My favorite king of the ring. So, so I guess. Let's flip it. Who you got? My favorite king of the ring, since you are listening to that ho ass podcast. My favorite King of the Ring was King Haku. He didn't even have to win the damn King of the Ring. All he had to do was beat Harley Race and take his damn crown. Well, no, no, no. that doesn't count then. Oh, that absolutely make, counts. He, no, no, no. And actually, he didn't, he didn't beat Harley Race to get the crown. He had it given to him by Bobby Heenan. But he did defend it against Harley Race. Harley was unable when he came back from uh, the abdominal issues. He was unable to reclaim his crown. But then, come on, you got Haku. Look at who he handed it over to. King Hacksaw. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You got that, that blithering idiot running around representing the, the kingdom of WWF at the time. I mean, thankfully, thankfully, Macho Man came along and was able to was able to capture that from him. Macho King was absolutely fantastic. and But there was an issue with the Macho King. The Macho King was always wearing the crown and walking around with the scepter, and he had the big cape, and that would become the standard for the King of the Ring going forward. And when I look at this list of names, you know, I'm seeing from Raw, we have Miz, Cesaro, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joe, Baron Fuckface Corbin, and Sami Zayn. From SmackDown, we have Kevin Owens, Mustafa Ali, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Elias, Andrade Cien Almas, Buddy Murphy, and Shelton Benjamin. 
Rick, I am terrified that they are going to put a crown and a cape and a scepter on Drew McIntyre. His character just seems like it would adapt to that king, the, the evil king character. Which would absolutely be killer. You know, this might be a great like episode thing for the uh, the Reflections guys to go back and look at all of the King of the Rings in, in their reigns. Because real quick on Macho, you know, he won the King of the Ring tournament, but that's not when he transitioned to the king. It was some years later after beating Hacksaw but he would claim that. But he did win one of the early ones before it was a pay-per-view. And it was it. You had that those couple of years there, where even if you won the King of the Ring tournament, you weren't portrayed as that king on television because someone else had had kind of, you know, had owned the gimmick at that point, which was interesting. And looking through this thing, I think uh, Ryan K. Bowman over at thegrueledposition.com, he he had an interesting take. Maybe we go back and revisit King Ricochet. King Ricochet makes all the sense in the world, and, and I think more so. Do you think Vince had ever seen or heard of King Ricochet? So someone in creative just pitched this thing to him, and Vince, that's good shit, pal. Did you just come up with that? We're going to look like geniuses. Well, I think I think there's two things that might play into this. Either, number one, he heard about the G1, and everybody was talking about this great tournament that happened in Japan, and he was like, a tournament? We can do that. And so that brought back King of the Ring. Or... He went to tag Ricochet on Twitter and something and realized that his Twitter handle is at King Ricochet and was just like, oh, well, that's what we should do. Yeah, I, I, that's what I wanted to talk about as well. You know, look at all the success. You got the, the J Cup selling out on the, you know, the West Coast, all the excitement around Bola. And then, I mean, the wrestling world has been ecstatic over the top about the G1. Just had to get back to them. Well, even Best of Super Juniors, people were raving about that for months in Osprey's performance through that, as well as Shingo's. Well, and then also, you're getting ready to go head-to-head with an upstart that is kicking your ass in ticket sales. I mean, where it's laughable. These guys are coming out of nowhere, filling up the arenas that they're using here within an hour. You can't even paper the town. You can't even give, give yours away. What are they gonna? What's the big? What's the big hook when they go to programming in October? It's a tournament, a tag team tournament. Yeah. So Vince gets his tournament in first, or you know, I thought I thought they would announce when we we're talking about Fox that that would be the finals for the King of the Ring. They're gonna do the finals at Night of Champions or Clash of Champions or whatever the hell it's called. This year. Another thing I, I I don't really particularly like when it comes to the King of the Ring. I was an absolute fan of having the eight man. One night single elimination. Yeah, I was as well. Um, There's also been some speculation online about a queen of the ring tournament. And that's just an awful idea. Like, there's absolutely no reason to do that unless they just want to, like, officially crown fucking Charlotte. I mean, it's basically been her gimmick since she showed up anyway. She calls herself the fucking queen. She's already the queen of the ring. Well, I mean, how many? We got, we got Queen of Hearts and Natalia. We got the Queen. You talk you about got, the Queen you of Hearts. You've got goddesses. You talk about the Queen of Hearts. That has to be my favorite King of the Ring was Owen when he was playing the King of Hearts. I mean, that that was just fantastic. Well, you know, see, there were some individuals. I know we're kind of all over the place on this one, but there were some individuals that that kind of used the King concept, but it wasn't the like King of Cartoons over the top cheesy. It wasn't he, King Booker. Yeah, it, well, it, it, even like Triple H, that was beginning of the King of Kings. 
Yeah, and Wade you know? Barrett, that the bad news king. Right. So you had some things that kind of worked there. So it's all about how you do it. But yeah, slapping a cape and a crown on and a scepter, it, that's absolutely terrible. There, there's only I mean, one guy I think that works for, and that's CN. Like that, that gimmick could totally work for CN and Zelina Vega. I, I want more of like a a modern royalty. You know, what we see from you know the princes over there in England. I, I want more of a, a I don't know a clean it up crisp. You know, it, it's cool, it's fresh look. Not where you're reminding us once again. You know, the king of cartoon stuff. Cesaro. How about Samoa Joe? We just changed his name to King Kahuna. Well, I mean, like Samoa Joe, I think would be more of a king of the ring, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, where it was like, that's cool. He got crowned king of the ring. Put it on my goddamn resume. Don't you ever call me King Joe. Right. You know, the same thing with Kevin Owens. Um, I, I could see them doing uh, Prince Ali. Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, tie into like the Saudi stuff. Absolutely. I think that's really. I think that's really where you're looking here. They're looking for something major to do with him. Plus, you get the Aladdin Disney tie-in, you know. So when Disney buys the company, yeah, there we go. Next live-action Aladdin, Mustafa Ali. Tonight, oh, yeah. bring back uh, the meanie and call him Big Blue Genie. That dude, that's genius. Who would play the carpet? Kurt Hawkins. Oh, yeah, that's uh, who gets stepped on more in WWE than anyone else. Kurt Hawkins. He'd probably be right up there. Tonight, we're going to see King of the Ring first round. Sami Zayn takes on Cedric Alexander. I'd love to see Sami Zayn as the King of the Ring. Like I could see him just issuing out royal decrees about how awful the WWE audience is. Cesaro takes on Samoa Joe. Don't like Cesaro's chances in that one. Although I think if they really want to do something with Cesaro, this could be a good way to rehab Cesaro. Yeah, again, I just wouldn't want to see that gimmick with him. Let him go out there. You know, he, uh, hell, you know what? Just, you were talking about maybe revisiting gimmicks, recycling. I mean, he could just be the king of wrestling himself. Yeah, he's already the king of swing. Well, I mean, going back to the tag team, the kings of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Man, if you're if you're gonna have seven hours of TV, how is that not happening on WWE television right now? You know, um, Tuesday on SmackDown, King of the Ring first round, CN is gonna take on Apollo Cruz and Kevin Owens versus Elias. That screams Shane McMahon interference. Kevin Owens gets eliminated in the first round to me. Uh, just to keep adding some heat to that program as you go forward, I don't think Kevin needs this thing at this point. It's one of those things. It's going to infuriate viewers and fans, but ultimately you're doing better business here, getting that heat, and you're you're just giving more fuel to Kevin to keep coming back harder and harder at Shane McMahon, which, which like it or not, it's a program that's going to get attention, and it's just not from in-house. The networks are on board. You know, they love when the McMahon's involved, and it's going to it, it's going to mean better things for Kevin in the long run. Tonight on Monday Night Raw, AJ Styles is going to defend the United States Championship against Braun Strowman. Uh, Rick, obviously last week, Braun Strowman came out to uh, help out his little buddy Ricochet. Styles issued a challenge. Braun Strowman accepted on Twitter because that's how we make matches these days. It's going to be for the U.S. title. What do you see going down here? Ultimately, I don't think this is... uh 
I don't think there's a winner in this scenario. No. I mean, uh, again, right out of the gate, we are defining now Braun gets involved in these situations because he has to go help a little buddy. I mean, this has been Balor all over again. Yeah, a- absolutely. So you either have AJ Styles beats Braun Strowman, which hurts Braun Strowman, and you know there's going to be some kind of Tom fuckery afoot, so there's no way AJ is going to pin Strowman clean. Or AJ loses the title already, which totally takes the sales right out of the club, and you put the title on Braun Strowman, and then how in the hell do you get the title off of him? Or you do a schmoz finish where neither one of these guys wins, and the fans lose. Like, no matter how you slice this, somebody is going to lose here. Well, you know, what's announcing this as a match, and already jumping into where we're going to go bell to bell, why aren't we building a little more suspense between these two or the first meeting? Because right now everyone's expecting some kind of, you know, rotten finish. Everyone, everyone knows that going in. I mean, if AJ is like you said, though, if it does happen and AJ drops that title, well, see you along, see you later club again. But, but going back a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, okay, they put these guys back together. Shit. They might be able to do something cool. Well, Damned us for believing that they would take advantage of an opportunity like that because what we've seen you know, with adding the OC and the cheesy lines that they're that they're running out there, they have botched this thing again. So maybe they are going to hit reset and just get rid of this damn thing. I still say this. I mean, this. I don't think they should get to the ring. We need to get some kind of backstage backstage segment. Don't and then don't end up giving me some kind of stupid ass two on three tag. Keep. AJ and Braun away from each other in the ring and build to something we actually want to see. I'm right you, there with you. You want to advertise something. You've got six weeks to start advertising, building towards, I think, a match that would pull people to Fox. It would be AJ Styles versus Braun Strowman. I mean, look at the, you know, the difference in those styles and the looks. I mean, that's going to be something unique. People are going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How's this? Even if you don't know AJ Styles. How the hell is this guy going to take on this monster, what we believe a professional wrestler should be? And then you get out there and see his athleticism. That completely blows people away. Also advertised for Monday Night Raw tonight. That's right. It's boss time. Once again, Sasha's ratchet. And immediately I am already more like invested in the Sasha Banks character after one week than I have been in the last three years of her on the main roster. I only like Sasha Banks when she is a bitch and that I am infused to watch because I like Ratchet Sasha versus Babyface Becky. Finally, you're going to give me a program where we can boo the bad guy and cheer the good guy. Sasha's Ratchet. I want to hear the chance tonight on Monday Night Raw. I'm on board with you 100%. I like what they went in this direction. So many people thinking she was going to get involved with Bailey. This is something, it was a little bit of a swerve for us here. But thankfully, the boss is back to being the boss. For how long were we asking, what the hell does that even mean anymore with her? Now she's taking charge. This is this is what we talk about when when people perceive like your real personality, who you are. That should relate to television. Just crank it up, right? And we get that. How many reports we heard about how nasty she could be, and then when she is trying to be that, oh, I love professional wrestling, and she's crying over Eddie, how, how forced it seems. The other thing I'm looking forward to, because it's inevitable at this point, Sasha Banks returns as a heel. Alexa Bliss has turned babyface as part of Team Hell Yeah. I'm looking forward to babyface Alexa Bliss 
versus Ratchet Sasha Banks, that is going to be a hell of a program. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think you got to try as, as hard as you can to hold off for a WrestleMania run for that one. Yeah, because I think that is going to be absolute money. Does Sasha take the women's championship and make it Becky no belts? Well, you got a couple. We got some time to fill out here. I think Sasha at some point actually absolutely takes that belt off for her. Now, the direction you go there with Becky, I'm not so sure because she certainly is, is cooling off here because she's just being overproduced and they've you know funneled everything that was so tremendous organically. Where do you go with Becky, though? You know, it's interesting that you bring up about how organically Becky Lynch has gotten over. One thing that they probably should not do is have a heel that's very likable, like Sami Zayn, come out and tell the fans how manufactured Becky Lynch is. Just putting that thought into your brain, that's already the beginning of the end for Becky right there. And it's the same thing with Seth Rollins. He called him a pandering babyface. Right after he's out there cuttering a pandering promo to the audience. Now you're putting that thought into our heads and immediately they've been doing this. They've been doing this for years. Yeah. Seth Rollins just isn't nearly as cool because we know now he's a pandering baby face. They, they, they do it for years. We choose who we want. We choose who's at the top. Oh, really? Oh yeah. You do that in real life too. All right. So now we're going to shit all over Roman Reigns because you are forcing him down our throats. We see that. Yep. One guy that's getting ready to seems like to be shoved down everybody's throat is Buddy Murphy. Talk about out of freaking nowhere. All of a sudden, Buddy Murphy's involved in the Roman Reigns whodunit. He goes out there and, okay. I saw on Twitter a bunch of marktards calling Roman Reigns versus Buddy Murphy the match of the year. Are you serious right now? We just came out of the G1 Climax, and you're going to have the balls to call that a match of the year? You know, I got a feeling you're, you're talking about an opportunity here for Buddy Murphy. He's getting some airtime, which is tremendous for him. You know, it, it's going to you know, raise his value. That stock's going to be the highest it's ever been. I got a feeling, though, by the end of this, it, it's almost going to be he's going to end up where Zack Ryder was in the little bit of the love triangle there with Eve Torres and John Cena. Oh, dear God. Uh, he is, he's going to be the ultimate casualty in this who's trying to kill Roman Reigns situation. Well, tonight he is going to take on angry vegan Kurt Cobain. I mean, Daniel Bryan. Um, and I'm sure that it'll be a good match. But, Rick, this seems a little bit curious to me because Buddy Murphy accused Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan of being the ones who tried to murder Roman Reigns. And Daniel Bryan has come out and said, uh-uh, nope wasn't us to the point now he is actually going to take a match with buddy murphy to prove his innocence tonight on smackdown live so rick who done it you know what beyond this i'm thinking about some marketing here for wwe uh, obviously we could do a you know who done it roman reigns version of clue or or my, my favorite here remember the game guess who oh yeah we could do that with, with WWE superstars and try to figure out who killed Roman Reigns or who's trying to kill Roman Reigns. Uh, one of the popular opinions that I've heard that I really, really like is Luke Harper. Is that that meme I made up and sent you? I don't know. Did you? Uh, where they, change, they just re, they, they reinvent him and change his ring name to Luke Emia. 
Nice. I see what you did there. Um, another one I've heard is Johnny Gargano. Don't think that's the case with uh, NXT going to USA Network. I don't think Johnny Wrestling comes up to the main roster now. Now we have to figure out what in the hell we're going to do with him on the black and yellow brand. Does, does, uh, does this lend more towards the rumors of the red and blue like reverse invasion of NXT, like the battle between some guys that had left going back? Um, I, I am hearing that that is a very real possibility, and the names that are being thrown around are much bigger names than you would expect, like Finn Balor, like Shinsuke Nakamura, like Samoa Joe, like people that are synonymous with the NXT brand that just haven't really clicked on the main roster. You know, at that case, with some of those names, you know, AEW, I mean, that's got to be kind of where it's going. People will follow them. Yeah. And, and but in doing that, are the people that are going to follow them still tuned into Raw or SmackDown if you put all that talent back on NXT? I guess, you know, we really have to see how this is going to play out. You know, who's going to be able to cross shows? Where are they heading? Wild card. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Uh, from what I am hearing uh, from my source backstage at NXT, we have no idea what is going on. They are going to find out just like the rest of us. So your source is a general observation. Yep. <laughs> Which actually seems pretty consistent with everything else WWE has been doing for the last, what, year, year and a half? Just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, my source basically just said, we have no idea what is going on, but we're all meeting at the Performance Center to watch Raw tonight. Take from it what you will. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find us over at the other platform. That's right, because we were simulcast today, hackerhameen.podbean.com or hittingthemarks.com. You can find Huckleberry and I, the HTM Podcast Network, Hameen Media. There is all kinds of information for your ear holes. Then be sure that you visit voicesofmisery.podbean.com and get your dose of the nerd and the nerd at almost daily rick i i really enjoy that show even if they did have big ray hernandez on oh nothing but love for big ray bring, bringing the voice and spreading it to to the masses there you know the good word of the hmg uh but for me the rbv you can follow me across all social media platforms at the real rbv and uh, in closing, shout out to Legends of the Squared Circle for their tremendous hospitality this past weekend. And also looking forward to about a month away, September 21st, Blue Note, Harrison, Ohio. It's located in Southern Ohio, just outside Cincinnati. Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling is going to be uh, the promotion's biggest and baddest card to date. Don't find me on social media. I don't want to talk to you anyway. Instead, visit our friends over at TheGorillaPosition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. And visit our friend Jamie and crew over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com for what is sure to be a crazy next couple of days in the world of professional wrestling. I'm sure that those bastards over at the Wednesday locker room will have a full rundown as we prepare for the Wednesday Night Wars. Until then... We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up.
Música. Attacker Hameen here. I just wanted to take a minute and give a shout out to our boys on the independent media scene at Voices of Misery on Twitter. Give them a follow or check them out, voicesofmisery.podbean.com. They're doing the same thing we are, trying to build their platform, overcome corporate media by putting out great content for all their listeners every week. So check them out. Again, Voices of Misery, uh, wherever you get all your uh, content, iTunes, I'm sure they're on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you guys get it. Uh, listen, because they're hooking us up all month long. All the content you hear at hackerhameen.podbean.com is because they sponsored us this month. So do us a solid. Go back over there. Let's all support each other. And we're going to overcome together this corporate media that is so bunk that none of us want to listen to it anymore. So you all law infidels, that's not a ask. That's a command. Hacker Hameen says you will follow at Voices of Misery or else I'll put some misery in your life. YOLO! ha 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 Can lose by account, I'm still retaining the title. You can win by DQ, but you saw.